I'm Dr. David Epstein, a board-certified pediatrician with subspecialty board certification in pediatric critical care medicine. I'm a clinician and educator in pediatric intensive care and pediatric urgent care. You are listening to Dr. Dave's Pediatric Pearls podcast, a pediatric podcast for parents and those who care for kids. It is a show designed to explore children's health issues and obtain perspectives and opinions on health care from those who work in the field of pediatrics. This podcast is for parents and those who care for kids who wish to gain a better general understanding of the field of pediatrics to improve their children's health care and empower them to advocate for their children's health. Welcome to this episode of our podcast where we will be discussing strep pharyngitis, commonly known as strep throat. And if you're a parent, you know that strep throat is a common childhood illness that can cause discomfort and concern. So in this episode, we're going to cover everything you need to know about strep throat, including its symptoms, causes, complications, treatments, and prevention strategies. First off, it's important to know that sore throats account for approximately 12 million annual pediatric medical visits in the United States. And strep throat is actually more common in children than adults. Up to 3 in 10 children with a sore throat actually have strep throat, whereas about 1 in 10 adults with a sore throat have strep throat. Strep throat occurs in kids of all ages, but it's most commonly found amongst school-aged children and adolescents, with a peak age at approximately seven to eight years. It is uncommon to find strep throat in children less than three years of age, however. So what is strep throat? Strep throat is an infection of the throat and tonsils caused by bacteria called group A streptococcus, or group A strep. It's transmitted in a number of ways, but close contact with another person with strep throat is the most common risk factor for illness. For example, if somebody has strep throat, the bacteria is often spread amongst people in a household or in school or in childcare facilities where they're in close contact. Group A strep bacteria is very contagious, and generally people spread the bacteria to others through three methods. First is respiratory droplets. It's not airborne in as much as it's found in droplets. So if somebody's breathing in respiratory droplets that contain the bacteria that they can get infection, or those respiratory droplets that contain the bacteria are on an object and somebody touches that object and gets the droplets on their skin and then touches their mouth or nose, then they can get infected. Or if they drink from the same glass or eat from the same plate as a person infected with group A strep bacteria, they can contract the infection. Also, Direct contact with somebody who has group A strep pharyngitis is a method for contracting the illness. And rarely people can spread group A strep bacteria through food that is not handled properly. It usually takes about two to five days for somebody who's exposed to group A strep bacteria to become ill with strep throat. But what else causes a sore throat in kids? We know that a common cause is strep throat, but what are some other things that cause sore throats? Well, actually, the most common cause of sore throats in children, it's caused by viral infections, such as adenovirus, or if you've heard of infectious mononucleosis, which is caused by Epstein-Barr virus, viruses are the most common cause of sore throat in kids. But there are also bacterial agents, and as we mentioned, group A strep causes approximately 15 to 30% of acute pharyngitis or sore throat in kids. But there are other bacteria, such as non-group A streptococci and other bacteria that can cause sore throats as well. Also yeast or fungi can cause sore throats and severe or life-threatening infections such as peritonsillar or retropharyngeal abscesses can cause sore throats where there's a pocket of pus 
on the inside area behind the tonsils or in the back of the throat behind the mucosa. Also, epiglottitis and diphtheria can cause sore throat. And luckily, we have vaccines for the agents that cause epiglottitis. Haemophilus influenza type B is something that used to cause epiglottitis years ago, but it's much less common now that there's a vaccine available, as well as diphtheria, which is much less common because of the vaccine that is available to prevent that infection. There are non-infectious causes as well, such as irritation from chemicals or environmental exposures. A foreign body that gets stuck in the throat can also cause a sore throat. Trauma, such as a laceration in the throat, can also cause pain. And there are other non-infectious causes, such as Stevens-Johnson syndrome and Kawasaki's disease, which are inflammatory reactions that are not actual infections that can cause sore throat and other manifestations. So identifying a child with strep throat is very important to prevent the consequences, which we'll discuss later. But how do children with strep throat present? Well, some of the common symptoms may include fever, pain with swallowing, a sore throat that can start very quickly, and the throat may look red in appearance if you shine a flashlight in the back of the throat. Sometimes you'll see red and swollen tonsils, as well as white patches or streaks of pus on the tonsils. And there can be teeny red spots on the roof of the mouth, usually the posterior palate area, called petechiae, that are indicative of strep throat, but can be found with other infections. And also, one can see or feel swollen lymph nodes in the front of the neck. Some other symptoms may include headache, stomach pain, nausea, vomiting, or even a skin rash. And the, the rash is usually a red sandpaper-like rash that's on the body, best seen on the chest and the belly area. And if somebody has strep throat and that rash, it's termed scarlet fever, which is treated the same as strep pharyngitis. But in kids, it's interesting that Oftentimes, we will see children with these atypical symptoms like the headache, stomach pain, nausea, or vomiting, and those may be the presenting signs of strep throat rather than the actual sore throat that we usually associate with strep throat. Now, if somebody has cough, runny nose, hoarseness of their voice where their voice sounds raspy or strained, or they have a conjunctivitis, which is the red eyes with drainage, often called pink eye, those symptoms are usually suggestive of a viral cause of the sore throat if they have a sore throat in conjunction with the cough, runny nose, hoarseness, and, and conjunctivitis. So strep throat usually does not manifest with cough, runny nose, hoarseness of the voice, or conjunctivitis. It's usually a viral cause. So once you're suspicious that a child may have strep throat, how do you diagnose it? Well, the first step is obtaining a specimen from the throat. So if you're doing a rapid antigen test or a throat culture, you have to actually swab the tonsils and the back of the throat to get an adequate specimen. We usually do two swabs, one for the rapid test. And if the rapid test is negative, then we usually send a throat culture out to the lab with the second swab. So you only have to swab the child once. Now, the sensitivity of these tests is highly dependent on the quality of the throat swab specimen that was obtained, meaning that did the swab touch the tonsils in the back of the throat adequately to get enough specimen? Also, running the test takes some level of training, and so the 
act of performing the test has a lot to do with the outcome of the result as well. So when we think of the rapid strep test, it's usually a test that is on site and comes back in about five minutes or so. And if the test is positive, then one can be prescribed antibiotics to treat presumed strep throat. If the test is negative, then as I mentioned previously, we usually send a throat culture to the lab to see if the specimen is positive for group A streptococcus. The throat culture takes time, often 24 to 48 hours, to get the result back. So we rely heavily upon the rapid test. It's important to know that the rapid test is not perfect and that it has a lower sensitivity than the throat culture. There was a Cochrane review in 2016 with the title, What is the Performance of Rapid Tests for the Diagnosis of Strep Throat in Children? And it stated that on average, rapid tests for strep throat had a sensitivity or ability to correctly detect people with strep throat of 86% and a specificity, meaning the ability to accurately identify people who do not have strep throat of 95%. Now, the sensitivity of tests has improved probably over, over time since this report, probably to 90 to 95%, but we often use mid-80s as the sensitivity for the percentage for the rapid tests. There is PCR technology, which is used to identify group A strep from the DNA of the bacteria, and its sensitivity is much higher at 99%. So when you're thinking about sensitivity and specificity of the rapid tests, think of it in this way. Based on these results of this review, we would expect that among 100 children with strep throat who actually have strep throat, 86 would be correctly detected with the rapid test, whereas 14 would be missed and they wouldn't receive antibiotic treatment. So if, that's assuming that the sensitivity is 86%. Now on the flip side, of 100 children with non-streptococcal sore throat, meaning that they don't have strep throat, but they have a sore throat from something else, 95% would be correctly classified as not having strep throat with the rapid test, while five would be misdiagnosed as having strep throat and receive unnecessary antibiotics. And I've seen kids come in after having a sore throat for a day or less than a day and have a negative test on the rapid test. And they come in a day later because they're really concerned that maybe they have strep throat and then the rapid test comes back positive a day later. So sometimes kids can present to the clinic or the office too early in their course of illness and may get a negative test just because they haven't been sick long enough. I've also seen conversely that there are kids with no signs on physical exam with just a history of a sore throat uh, or an exposure and they don't have any of the classic findings on exam, and then they test positive for strep throat. So it's not always clear-cut with kids, and you have to have a high index of suspicion to make the correct diagnosis of strep throat in kids because sometimes they don't present typically. A throat culture takes time to see if group A strep bacteria grows from the swab, 
but while it takes more time, a throat culture sometimes finds infections that the rapid test misses, as I mentioned before. So that's why we do a rapid test. If that's negative, we send a throat culture to the lab to verify that the child is truly negative or meaning that they don't have strep throat. So now that you've made a diagnosis of strep throat by having a positive rapid test, positive PCR, or positive throat culture, meaning that the child has strep throat or strep pharyngitis, what is the treatment plan? Well, the treatment centers around administering antibiotics. And the reason we treat with antibiotics is that it decreases how long somebody is sick. It decreases the symptoms and makes the kids start feeling better sooner. And it prevents the bacteria from spreading to others by eradicating the bacteria from the oral pharynx. And also it prevents serious complications, which we'll discuss in a little bit. And these complications arising from untreated group A strep infections. Somebody with strep throat should start feeling better in just a day or two after starting the antibiotics. And if they aren't, then something else should be considered and follow what the primary care physician or urgent care should be considered. People with strep throat should stay home from work, school, or daycare until they have fulfilled the following two requirements. They no longer have a fever and they've been taking the antibiotics for at least 12 to 24 hours. I usually recommend 24 hours to ensure that there is a good level of eradication of the bacteria so they don't spread it to others. Now, as far as preventative strategies, the main thing is to reduce contact with those who are sick with strep throat. And that's the bottom line. But if there is some contact, there should be good hand washing to prevent the spread of infection because of the transmission process that we discussed earlier. Now, it's interesting to note that sometimes there are group A strep carriers. And their management is a little bit different. When I talk about carriers, it means that they consistently test positive for group A strep from throat specimens, whether they're sick or not sick. And it's really tricky to tease out whether somebody's a carrier or not. But the management of a patient with frequent repeated episodes of acute pharyngitis and repeated positive test results for group A strep is complex. And it's complex because you have to determine whether the clinical findings are more suggestive of a group A strep or viral infection, because the two can coexist together or they can be clinically similar. And then you have to determine whether the test results are positive for group A strep between episodes of acute pharyngitis, suggesting that the patient is a carrier, meaning that when they're not sick and they're still testing positive for group A strep, that may be more indicative of a carrier state. And then you want to determine the nature of the clinical response to antimicrobial therapy or the antibiotics. In somebody who is truly group A strep positive, you want to make sure that they respond to the antibiotic therapy. Because if they don't respond to the antibiotic therapy, it may just be that they didn't clear the infection and they're not actually a carrier. Also, you want to determine whether there are household or community group A strep infections and other exposure factors to support group A strep infections versus a viral infection as the cause of the sore throat. And once somebody is determined to be a group A strep pharyngeal carrier or group A strep throat carrier, antimicrobial therapy is not indicated unless it's causing problems. But once they're a carrier, they're a carrier and 
they are not usually treated with antibiotics. But as I mentioned previously, it's important to treat active strep throat infections to reduce the risk of complications. Serious complications are not common, but complications can occur after a strep throat infection. And this can happen if the bacteria spreads to other parts of the body. And we've mentioned the peritonsillar or retropharyngeal abscesses, which can occur after a strep throat infection. Also, one can get a superative cervical lymphadenitis, meaning an infection of a lymph node in the neck, which can cause swelling and pain. Also, rarely children can get a sinusitis or an ear infection, but the most feared complications are acute rheumatic fever and acute glomerulonephritis. Acute rheumatic fever occurs in anywhere from 0.3 to 3% of the population, and it is an inflammation of the heart, brain, joints, and skin. And acute rheumatic fever can cause heart valve damage, most commonly to the mitral valve and the aortic valves in the heart. It can also cause arthritis. It can also cause a carditis, which is an inflammation of the heart muscle itself. It can also cause a rash that appears different than the scarlet fever rash. And it can also result in movement disorders or loss of motor control or coordination. Acute glomerulonephritis is a rare kidney disease that can develop after a group A strep infection. And it's estimated to run anywhere from 9.5 to 28.5 cases per 100,000 individuals per year worldwide. And while it's rare, it can result in long-term kidney damage, including kidney failure. These rare complications, as I mentioned, are more common in adults than kids. Now, also, there's a possible association with PANDAS. That's pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder associated with group A strep. And it's basically a temporal association with a group A strep infection. And it's an acute onset of neuropsychiatric symptoms like obsessive compulsive disorder, Tourette syndrome, or a tic disorder. And it can be quite debilitating. In summary, a sore throat is often the presenting symptom of strep pharyngitis or strep throat. But there are other causes of a sore throat, with the most common cause being a virus. However, strep throat is still relatively common in children, with those less than three years of age being less likely to develop the disease. Symptoms often include fever and sore throat, but they can also present with symptoms that don't have anything to do with the throat, such as a headache or a stomach ache. Strep throat is very contagious. Strep throat is treated with antibiotics to prevent discomfort and possible rare consequences of the disease, such as abscesses behind the tonsils or behind the mucosa tissue in the back of the throat or causing injury to the heart and kidneys. Finally, it's important to note that the prognosis after treatment of strep throat is excellent and rare complications from strep throat are usually prevented by treating strep throat early. Also, prevention is important to reduce the spread of strep throat to others by good hand washing, preventing contact between those with and without strep throat, and finally, staying home if your child has strep throat until there is no fever and 12 to 24 hours of antibiotic therapy has been completed. Also, I forgot to mention earlier that I like to recommend that children change their toothbrush once treatment has started so they don't reinfect themselves by having an object that may still have group A strep on it while they're completing the course of antibiotics. Finally, I'd like to recommend some reliable resources for parents. First off, the American Academy of Pediatrics and their website, www 
aap.org is a good website to look at if you want to get some good information about strep throat or other diseases. But they also sponsor a website for parents called www.healthychildren.org, which is an excellent website to reference for parents. Finally, the Centers for Disease Control has good information on their website about strep throat and other diseases as well. And finally, and most importantly, your child's primary doctor is an excellent resource. So if you have any questions or concerns, you should reach out to your doctor. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Dave's Pediatric Pearls. Please leave a review to help other parents and those who care for kids find this podcast so they can benefit from it just like you did. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast or want to leave ideas for future topics that you would like me to cover, please post them in the comments. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in and be safe and be well.